the way. I'm almost there, alright? Just like another like ten minutes or so. Alright? Alright. Okay, I'm almost there. It's episode 50! Episode 50, Theo! He's just waiting patiently for his pride lamb chop to come back to him. We should have done something more for episode 50, but I just realized it was episode 50. I also just realized it was episode 50 in the bathroom, and I was like, I'm gonna bring it up when we start recording. I realized Um, when I was writing the episode number on my notebook. mm -hmm. (laughs) Did you write, what the fuck? I wrote, episode 50, what the fuck? You have to read it in my voice. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it's episode 50. We've made 50 of these. Episode 50, season 3, episode 2. Oh my god, wow, season 3, episode 2. If you haven't noticed, uh, well, like, it's in the metadata. When I, I uh, When I upload the episodes, I uh, release them as season 2, episode 1, and then season 3, episode 1. I, I saw that. <laughs> And I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> so, but yeah, we're here. Wow. We're doing this again. That sounded so enthusiastic. I don't feel very well. That's true. You haven't been feeling well. So I'm not going to get into it, but I don't feel well. It's <laughs> fine. Um, we're waiting for Steven. He's taking forever. Hmm. What do we do without Steven? The same thing we've always done without Steven. (laughs) Wait, I'm Jesse. Oh, (laughs) I'm Amber. And this is the Marble Forest Podcast. Did we say that on this take? No, we did not. (laughs) Okay. We're we're doing wonderful at podcasting. This is why we need a Steven. That's one of the ground rules. We should make him a list of rules. Oh my God, we should. And put it right there on the wall. Yeah. And just keep adding rules to it. (laughs) Like it was just increasingly more and more annoying. Yeah. For him, not for us. Yes. Funny for us. Annoying for him. Yeah. We have our little Stevie (laughs) face on our uh, podcasting wall. Oh, we have to do a meet Steven bio for the podcast Instagram. Well, Theo's like 10 billion years younger in the podcast bio. Okay. Well, we'll redo all of our bios. He was just a little puppy. We'll redo all our bios on Instagram. Okay. But yeah, anything exciting happened since the last recording? Besides going to the hospital now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. And I fucking hate... I, I'm not going to say what happened, but I just want to say how much I hate being in the hospital. And how I tried to go to urgent care, and they turned me away and told me to go to the ER. And I was like, I don't want to pay ER fees. <laughs> because America. America. I also hate going to the hospital. But then also I sat there for literally... I think I was there for Four hours before they actually gave me a CT scan. You were there for a really long time because you were texting me from the hospital. Yeah. I got really into playing RuneScape again. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. I've been watching Big Bang Theory. (laughs) I'm almost done, though. Are you? Yeah. I haven't really been watching anything new. I've been just playing a lot of RuneScape. Yeah. A lot, a lot of RuneScape. RuneScape. I feel like this is such a boring intro. I know. We're boring. Should we just start driving in and then we'll pause and then i feel like there's something else that we could have talked about 
Oh, we could talk about the fact that our Patreon is now live. Oh, yeah. Well, we always said it was live, and then it wasn't live, and now it's officially live. It's officially live. We have two episodes on there? Yes. I'm going to rename the episodes, Jesse. That's fine. Okay. If you'd like to follow us on Patreon, come join us. Come get some new episodes. I'm really excited for the Patreon. Yeah, our Patreon episodes release on the off weeks of this podcast, so you will have your weekly podcast that you've always wanted for a small fee of three dollars did you always want this is it always what you wanted daddy made you some content open mind (laughs) (laughs) can we talk about how we have the most unnatural obsession with bo burnham's inside should we (laughs) no but like god damn yeah we do have the most unnatural well, I feel like everyone in 2020 did, and then it like died off, and then we're just still <laughs> we're just still chucking along. When I'm at home, that's all I listen to. That's all I watch is Bo Burnham's Inside. What does that say about our mental health? Not good things. Not good things. Not not very things. I at get all. in my car and I'm like listening to music, and like Bo Burnham comes on. I'm like, yeah, this is a banger. Can't skip this song. Yep. I uh my. Like, daily mix on Spotify, half of it's Bo Burnham, and the other half is Young Gravy. (laughs) I love that so much, though. We also have an obsession with Young Gravy. We do have an obsession with Young Gravy as well. Are we okay? (laughs) No. Have you met us? No. Um, This is why we do a podcast. I was very upset because I like, as we have talked about in the past, we're both single. Yes. We like to plug our podcast to men on Tinder. Oh, that's true. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And I was upset. The guy I was talking to yesterday, I was like, he goes, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just watching Big Bang Theory and looking up haunted things on the internet. And he just totally skipped past the looking up haunted things on the internet. I'll go, that's an interesting fact about myself. You couldn't be like, what's up? What is, what are you looking up? You know, yeah, like, why are you looking up haunted things on the internet? And they would be like, well, let me tell you, <laughs> I do this podcast. He's not worth it. Skip him. <laughs> Swipe left. <laughs> should we talk about. Oh my God, about... this is going to be such a long episode. Maybe we should just drive into it. We should drive on into it because this is going to be a long one. Yeah. Uh, it's a great 50th episode. Yeah. I think, in my opinion. I'm excited. I didn't realize this was going to be the 50th episode, and now that I know it is, I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, yeah, I agree. All right, let's dive on in. Oh, do you want to flip it? I sort of want you to go last, because I want the suspense. Oh, should we just... So people can wait for it. Should we flip it twice if it lands on me? No. <laughs> I just sort of want to listen to your story after mine. Oh, you're first! Oh, wow! <laughs> it worked out just the way you wanted it to! <laughs> All right, let's dive on in. We're driving on in. Steven's here! Wow, that was so eventful of Steven arriving. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we're driving on in to we're, Jesse. We're driving on into my story, which I already lost. Alright! I'm ready. I'm ready too. Tell right. me. Well, we are covering Mount Everest. What about Mount Everest? The bodies on Mount Everest. Oh. So... It is, uh, it's dark. It's just about the dead people on Mount Everest. It's really <laughs> the gist of the story. Um, so, you know, it's like mystery, but it's not a mystery. Right. Part it's of our podcast. Dark. It's the macabre, I think is the word. Uh, so it is like, is it the right word macabre or macabre? <laughs> I don't know. Is it macabre or macabre, Stephen? 
Stephen. This is job number one. Uh, I've always said macabre. Okay. He's actually kind of loud. Maybe he doesn't need a microphone. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> I think it's macabre. I mean, I've always said macabre, but I also heard macabre. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, th- th- so I just wanted to preface that it is like the macabre just- realm of things that we are discussing in this episode. Dark and morbid. Dark and morbid. But first, have you ever wanted to climb Mount Everest? No. Do I look like I want to climb Mount Everest, Jesse? <laughs> Do I look like I've ever shown any interest in climbing a mountain? <laughs> well, that sucks for the next line that I wrote on this. Well, do I have some information that may change your mind about that? <laughs> oh, I mean, yes, I would love to climb mountains. Oh, shucks. I was really looking forward to climbing Mount Everest. <laughs> so there is currently no technology in the world that can help someone stranded 29,000 feet in the air because the temperatures can drop below 160 degrees below zero. Ew. So as most of us should know, Mount Everest is the highest point on Earth with a 29,031.7 feet high. It is located in the Himalayas on the border of China and Nepal across uh, its summit point of the mountain. One of the names, uh, the Nepali name is Sagamata. <laughs> Sagarmata? Sargamata. That's what I'm going to say. It means the head in the great blue sky. Oh. And the Tibetan name for Everest is Chomalung. <laughs> Chomalum. Or Holy Mother. <laughs> As I said, the elevation is 29,000 feet. And to put that into perspective, the cruising altitude of most commercial airlines is between 33,000 and 42,000. And it's how tall? 29. So it's still lower than most commercial aircrafts fly. But typically, those are pressurized systems that have air supplies and support, you know, for being that high in the air. Okay, I didn't actually think of it that way. There are two main uh, climbing routes, one from the Nepali and one from the Tibetan route. So the Nepali is the southeast side and the Tibet is the northern side. Since we are clearly going to talk about the deaths of Mount Everest, let's talk about the risks of climbing the mountain. Uh, You could experience altitude sickness, fatigue, or exhaustion from lack of oxygen, strain, unpredicted weather, and wind, as well as significant hazards from avalanches or the... Kumbu icefall. Tiredness leads to lack of coordination and confusion and incoherence, and sometimes the brain may bleed from these conditions that cause it to worsen. Ew. Yeah, I know, right? I've never, okay, I know mountain climbing can be extremely dangerous because people like train for it. Uh-huh. And I, people train a lot for Everest. Not just day hikes like I do. Yeah. Well, it's high altitudes and like the people train like for higher altitudes and things like that. Mm hmm. But I, I just, I don't, hmm. I'm not a thrill seeker. Yeah. So I just don't, I don't get, I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. I don't get it. But so, I guess I could see how someone would want to. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the early expeditions to Mount Everest, uh, and this is just based, I think it's somewhere in my story notes. Um, oh, and did I bring up that this is a part two-parter? No, you didn't. Oh, this is going to be a two-parter because there are so many stories that have led to people's deaths on the mountain. But early expeditions of Mount Everest, we didn't really have the technology of bringing supplemental oxygen onto the mountain. So that was a lot of cause of deaths as well. 
yeah. from exposure. Um, so we're going to start with the Kumbu Icefall. It is located at the head of the Kumbu Glacier. And I hope I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that correctly. Kumbu? <laughs> Kumbu. And this glacier is located at uh, 18,000 feet on the mountain. And only when you make it through that, you can make it to base one camp. So that's base one camp? Yes. I have a photo 18, for you. 18,000 feet? Yeah. I have to walk that myself? So if you see from up my... Up a f- mountain? So look at all of this trekking that you have to do up the mountain before you even make it to camp one. No. <laughs> I don't want to. I have to walk it the whole way. <laughs> yes. Um, no. <laughs> uh, though it may be on the lower part of the mountain, it is considered to be the most dangerous part of the route. The trek just to there? Yes. To base camp one is the most one of the most dangerous parts. But then there's also a part called the death zone. Um, and that's not the most dangerous part? <laughs> So the death zone is an issue with no oxygen, cold, and wind. And then this is like falling ice blocks. Not even like icicles, like ice blocks. Oh, let me get further into this. It's like a Mario game. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. To fully understand the danger of this, I have added the definition of a glacier. (laughs) So... I hope we all know what a glacier is, but a glacier is a slow-moving mass of river or ice formed by an accumulation of compacted snow on or near mountains. Okay? So this glacier path is always moving. Always moving. And it can move three to four feet every single day. So each day is a new path that they have to uh, navigate their way through. Wow. Okay. It moves daily? Yes. That's insane. Yes. So this movement can cause large crevices to open up with little warning. So like those like in the movies where you see the ice just split and people fall into it. That's exactly what happens. Oh. And large collapses or like large. uh, So from that splinters, like part of the glacier can fall off. So like sort of like how we've seen videos on the internet of like those large chunks of like the floating ice in Antarctica fall off like that, like that big of like large ice chunks. Yeah. And I have also said ranging from sizes from like cars to large houses. Um, in one of my stories, a 12 story building pretty much. Holy fuck. Safest time to cross the area is just before sunrise because the ice is still partially frozen from the nighttime cold. Okay. Uh, and it is less able to move, but as the sun comes up, it begins to warm the area, causing friction within the ice structure to decline, making the most dangerous time to pass, uh, generally mid to late afternoon. Wow. And here's where it's really going to get you. <laughs> uh, experienced climbers can ascend the ice fall in a few hours, but some who have been less experienced can take up to 10 to 12 hours to cross this area. No, thank you. So you just in time to get to base one and go to bed for the night, right? <laughs> if um, it wasn't clear when we started this story, I'm never going to climb Mount Everest. Yeah. Just... No, I'm, I'm never going to climb Mount Everest either. Steven, are you going to climb Mount Everest? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so the amount of time that it takes to climb this section can be extremely deadly because the longer you are on a moving surface 
the harder it will be. Um, a lot of people will leave in the middle of the night to cross this section of like, or like really early in the morning to cross the section before it's the sun comes up. So they're doing a lot of this in the dark. Ew. That just seems like it would be more dangerous doing it in the dark too. Yeah. Uh, a large block of ice crashes in the vicinity of a climber. It can produce a blast of displaced air and snow resulting in a dusting and a billowing cloud of light ice and snow. Others, um, like I had mentioned earlier, one climber was crushed by a 12-story block of ice during one of this. And it's unpredictable, you know? Right. So you could just be going up there being like, I'm going to climb Mount Everest like everyone else. And then get crushed by a building yeah, of could, ice. Yeah, get crushed by a building of ice. If there is an avalanche event in the icefall, you can do very little to get to safety because it is not even possible to run away or even know the direction to run. Therefore, climbers are more trained for entrapment than escape. Um, oh, so they're they're trained to be entrapped in ice blocks as well as rescuing others from entrapment. Well, I hate that. That's like my worst nightmare. I know, right? <laughs> It kind of reminds me of the scene from Ice Age where, like, he walks through the tunnel and all the, like, got, like woolly mammoths are in ice. Mm-hmm. No other context. <laughs> or Avatar. <laughs> like, the... He's trapped in ice. Not the, the last very beginning. Air- oh, the last airbender. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, not the blue people. I haven't seen that blue people one. Okay, that's fine. Since the structures are continually changing, even extensive rope and ladder crossings cannot prevent loss of life. Exposed crevices may be easy to avoid, but some are hidden under snow bridges that can cause, as we've seen in the movies, can cause a climber to fall. And as of 2019, over 300 people have died on Everest. That's a lot. Yes. Oh. And many whose bodies still remain on the mountain. Oh. Since Nepal did not allow foreigners to enter the country, the British made several attempts from the north side in Tibet. And they were the first recorded human to reach the summit. Okay. So after the first expedition by Brit- the British in 1921, they reached only 22,970 feet <laughs> or 700 meters. Uh, this, my stories, it ranges whether I put meters in it or not. Um, so I apologize to I everyone who is not in the U.S. <laughs> I don't forgive you. Okay. <laughs> this is the blight on our friendship. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I know. Such a long story and I didn't even s- sit down to put in meters. You didn't even consider me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you think I know conversions? I barely know math. I know. Then in 1922, they went further up to 8,320 8, meters or 2,700 feet. Um, marking the first time a human had climbed above 8,000 8, meters in, okay. in the world. Unfortunately, seven people were killed in an avalanche on the descent of that expedition. On the descent? Yes. On so the they way- made it all the way up and yes. then they died on the way down? Yes. That sucks. Yeah, I know, right? How, is that worse? Is it worse to die on the way down than on the I way up? Is- well, hmm. Because, like, if you think about it, well, they didn't even summit. <laughs> they didn't even summit the mountain. They're like, woo, we climbed this high. And then they died. And then they died. Oh, that is so sad. That's miserable. All that work. 
I think it's I think it's worse to die on the descent. I've decided. Okay. I mean, but what if you made it to the summit and then died on the descent? You'd be really proud of yourself. Yeah, you'd be so proud of yourself when you died. So you're so like be... riding that high all the way down, right? Well, then, it'll probably take. I think it takes days to get down, and then you'd be dead. And then, but you'd, you'd be, be happy, I guess, when you died. Yeah, like happy about yourself. Yeah, proud is usually the word for that. Not happy about yourself. Yeah, I'm good at English. So in 1924, George Malroy and Andrew Irving uh, made an intent attempt to the summit. George Mallory was 37 at the time and jumped at the chance to take part in such an exciting adventure. And as you know, since we're actually mentioning names now, this is an actual story. Yes. (laughs) I don't know why I felt like the need to say that. I actually needed you to clarify. (laughs) Okay. As he feared his advancing age of 37 would make it impossible in the future. (laughs) He's old. He's 37. He's he's done. He's death's it's around the, 1920s, the corner. Okay, death is around the corner. <laughs> it's the 1920s. Well, yeah, then death There's... is actually around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> no booze. Done. At the end of May, uh, reaching the first, they reached the first campsite at twenty thousand feet without much difficulty. So they made it through the harrowing, you know, ice fall. Good for them. On June fourth, nineteen twenty four. George and his climbing partner, Andrew Irving, left the base camp and set out on their own. Bad idea. According to the people they had left behind at camp, George was certain that they could summit the mountain and make it back before nightfall. Okay, look. What I've learned from D&D is you never split the party. (laughs) Why? It'll be fun. Don't split the party. When we play D&D, I'm going to always split the party. Never split the party. I'm going to cause chaos. I know you are. (laughs) And Steven's going to be right there fucking with you. Yeah, Steven, chaos partner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, where were we? So, unfortunately, they never returned, as uh, we would all expect. And it took them almost 75 years to find their bodies. 75 years? Holy fuck. His expedition partners never knew where they were. And I don't think they went up to try to rescue them either because it's also Mount Everest and it's very dangerous. And a lot of the stories will be saying how people didn't save someone else because it risks their own life. Yeah. Which is very unfortunate, but it is Mount Everest. But in 1999, climbers working with BBC were producing Mallory and Irving uh, research expedition. And arrived at Everest for the sole purpose of locating their bodies. Okay. Of the, the these specific guys. Yes, okay. these specific guys. Among that group was Conrad Ankler. And on May 1st, he noticed a large, flat, white rock on the northern slope of the mountain. Uh, but it was unfortunately not a rock he was seeing. He was looking at the bare back of George Mallory at 26,000 feet. Oh, and bodies freeze on Everest, right? Yeah, they like, are so they're preserved. preserved. They're like, unless like, so the clothing, I'll show you a photo of this in a second. The clothing, clothing sort of protects the skin. So anything that's in the elements like wind, then you'll see degrade, but they're pretty much mummified corpses on the mountain. Okay. So the time and weather had degraded most of his clothing, but parts of his body that w- was covered were preserved. And so here is a photo of his body after 75 years. Oh, Jesus. 
I'll show Steven. It is really white. Like it, it like, looks but like, like his skin is like, pristine. he still has skin. Yes. Yeah. It's like bleached probably from yeah. like the elements. Yeah. But, and lack of I, so I could flow. see how someone could confuse it for a rock. Yeah. But yeah, that it's surprisingly well-preserved. Yeah. Andrew Irving's body was never found, though a climbing axe was roughly found 800 feet up the mountain from George's body, and there was a rope tied to George's wrist to the location of the axe. Uh, Researchers concluded that George had fallen dragging Andrew with him, or he had cut himself free before doing so, but both bodies were not never found, and it was concluded that they had both uh, died from the result of a fall. It is a mystery whether or not they were the first people to summit the mountain, though. Okay. Because we don't know if they made it or not. Yes, because they never lived to tell the tale. Though experts have speculated that the position of George's body suggests that he was climbing down the mountain and rather than up. And according to the survivors of the 1924 climbing expedition, George was carrying a, cram- a camera to document his and Irving's success should they reach the summit. But the camera was never found. Oh, that's a bummer. But experts at Kodak says that if they did find the camera, they would still be able to develop the film. Oh, what if someone finds that camera one day? I know, right? That would be cool. Um, So this sparked a debate whether they were the first to reach the top or not. That day, they were spotted high in the mountain but disappeared before the clouds. So, like, no one really ever knew. The official first summit of the mountain was Tenzig Norge and Edmund Hillary in 1953. So this is like 30 years later. Okay. And they went up the Nepal route. So the first route was the Tibetan route. This is Nepal route. And most people tend to hike the Nepali route because it is less dangerous. Okay. The first successful summit. Oh, I don't have a story for that. Um <laughs> But so they were the first successful people in 1953 um, to make the summit from that route. And then the first successful summit uh, from the Tibet route was in 1960 by three Chinese mountaineering team. Okay. Three people, a a three person Chinese mountaineering team. Got it. (laughs) Until 2007, one of every 10 people who dared climb the mountain died. Wow. And the death rate actually increased and worsened since 2007 because of more frequent trips to the top of the mountain. And I'm sure we've all seen the photos of literally the line up the side of the mountain in the death zone of people just waiting to, like, take your photo on top of the mountain. <laughs> and then trash everywhere. So so this is only a few stories of the mountain. I know I've talked for a while. Oh, not that long. Not I'm too proud bad. of myself. And next week we will continue with part two with more detailed stories. Okay. So well, that's exciting. I know. I mean, I'm excited to hear more because I like I know a little bit about like Mount Everest, but like not a lot. Yeah. So I decided to stick with the stories this week. I decided to stick more towards the beginning of trying to summit Mount Everest and like the actual dangers of summiting Mount yeah. Everest. And then next week, we're going to get into very historic deaths on, on the mountain. Awesome. I know. Well, mine's not that happy. Uh, nothing about that was happy. <laughs> mine's not that. Mine's different. <laughs> Are we ready? I am not, actually. 
Ah, look, we have curtains. Wait, should oh. we turn the mood? Should we make mood lighting for oh. this story? From Stephen doesn't even know what the story is. I yeah, know. let's make mood lighting. Stephen, turn off the light. We'll just have, be lit by the candle. Oh, spooky. Maybe that's too dark. <laughs> nope, I love it. I have a phone light. Is this spooky enough for you? Yes, it's. Yes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready, Stephen? I'm ready. All right. So today we're going to talk about a humanoid cryptid slash urban legend. Okay. The black eyed children. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know about this, Stephen? No. All right. Oh, you're in for a treat. You're in for a real treat right now. So. Black Eyed Children became prominent around 1996 and 1998 with internet culture, though there have been legends for far longer. I felt like, okay, before we go into this, when we were snapping Steven earlier, I was like, my when I was recording, I was like, my eyes look really black. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're one. <gasps> Maybe I am. So there have been some stories that date back to the 80s and some claiming that they have been around for even like historical, like ancient times. Ooh, um, historical. I didn't see a lot of those. Okay. But I would definitely dive back into this topic. Like, maybe I can find more stories for just, like, a Patreon. Okay. I found a lot of stories, actually. I didn't think I was going to have a lot at first, and I found a lot of spooky, them. spooky Reddit stories. Yeah. Ooh, there we go. <gasps> Ooh, we should, we should read creepypastas on our Patreon. Be good. And then just have one another react to it like a normal podcast, but it's like the creepypasta podcast. (laughs) We could. Okay, so black-eyed children. They are said to resemble normal children with pale skin and unnaturally fully black eyes. Yes, like the demons and supernatural. Yes, so no whites. Yes. Completely black. Yes. I think I'm too stoked about this story. (laughs) The kids seem to range in age from 6 to 16. That's okay. It's interesting. Black eyed children usually wear something dark and it sometimes appears to be outdated or clothing that like you wouldn't expect to see a child wearing. Like period time clothing, but in black. Yeah, it's always dark clothing. In some very unusual instances, people have reported that the children have talon like feet or other demonic attributes. What do you mean talon like feet? Are we okay? Talons. I like, picture, like, like a bird, bird, feet. bird feet? They have bird feet? I don't want a child with bird feet. I don't want a child with bird feet, but like think of <laughs> think of goth big bird. Goth with, big with, bird. With black eyes. Goth big bird with black eyes. Yes. I'm sure there's art of it somewhere. Steven. Look up goth big bird. Yeah, you're now the fan art person. You have yeah. to look up fan art for us. Yes. The rule, what is it? What rule of the internet is 34. that? Rule 34. That's what I thought. I, would do. I wanted to say 34, but I didn't want to be wrong. Yeah, but think of Big Bird, not yellow, just but all also black. also a child. No, it's still Big Bird. <laughs> it's still just fucking Big Bird. But they could have other demonic attributes, which I'm not sure what those are, but like maybe the black eyes, which are demonic. Yes. In most sightings, though, they are seemingly normal children. Okay. Are, are they just, they're just random children, just randomly without any parental supervision, correct? Yes. Yes. So they can appear by themselves, but they, they, a lot of the stories that I've seen, they appear in pairs. Okay. Ooh. Like the Shining Twins. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Um, they're usually. The Shining Twins, but goth Steven. Goth Shining Twins. <laughs> are they, the Shining Twins might already be considered goth. 
Uh, they're usually found hitchhiking down highways and streets. Don't be a hitchhiking fucking child. I can't. No, I can't. Because because think about it. You're you're you're, you're driving you're, along. You're driving along, painting a picture. Uh, you're driving along down a wooded highway. Mm-hmm. Let's say, like up and, and up you and just see a child walking. And, and down you just the road. see a child walking down the road. Any normal person would stop. Yes. Right. You shouldn't. In this instance. But like any normal person would stop. Yes. I would. I know I would. But yeah, they can be seen hitchhiking, walking down streets, begging, or encountered on the doorsteps of residential homes. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, that gives me the chills. They just show up at your door, Stephen. Think Whoa. of think of your think of my my doorbell camera just oh, having no. Why would you say that? Oh, oh, we totally send it to the group chat. I know you would. <laughs> In you a have. second. Well, that wasn't the black-eyed children. It wasn't the black-eyed children. That was that a was shadow. Spooky. It was spooky. All right. So the black-eyed children may approach you while you're out late at night. Maybe you're at a gas station pumping your gas. Maybe oh, you're no. waiting at a stoplight. The kid's going to knock on my window like a window washer? While you're, yep, <laughs> like a window washer. <laughs> <laughs> so people who have encountered black-eyed children say that the child will come up to you whether it be in a car in person at your door and they will ask you if you want to buy girl scout cookies they do oh great they're, they're actually just trying to like really help out their tra- their troop yeah well maybe they're just trying to scam me they might be you'll never get those cookies i'll never get those cookies good thing i already ordered mine <laughs> When they um, come up to you, you will start to feel an overwhelming sense of dread even before you notice that anything is wrong. At first, all they will do is ask for like a request. So they will always ask for something that brings them in close proximity of you. So if you're in your car waiting at the turn signal or waiting for the light to turn and you're just sitting there, they're going to like knock on your door and maybe ask you for a ride somewhere Mm. or to use your phone. To make a call, um, I don't. How, I would if it was a child, like a human, like an adult, like if it was one of the sixteen-year-olds, I'd be like, "Fuck off, punk!" But like a six-year-old child walks up to your yeah. car, knocks on your window, goes, "Can I use your phone?" I'm like, "Do you know your mom's number?" You feel scared, yeah. right? Because like when they come up to you, you feel this overwhelming sense of dread. It's it's uncomfortable. Yeah. If you say no. They will then try to plead with you to do what they ask in a threatening manner. What do you mean? What? Okay. What the fuck is a six-year-old child going to say to me that is threatening? I have one story where there's like a good example of how it's like a threatening manner. Okay. Um, People who have experienced said that after this happens, they will start to unwillingly help them. Like they feel themselves like being drawn to like, open so their like windows charmed. and open their doors yeah like so they're like unable to like they, they're going to go do it and they they realize like hey this is not what i was ma- meaning to do mm-hmm. so yeah like they're charmed like they're being mind all right just trust no one help no one don't help anyone don't help any children this sounds like a supernatural episode <laughs> it might be there might be a supernatural episode on it i actually didn't look that up so people say that it feels like the child is making them help them with their mind. Some have said that when it's, it starts, this feeling starts to happen, they'll notice that the child's eyes are fully bra- black yeah. and they'll regain their ability to deny helping the child. 
So it's like they go to unlock their car door. I'm not computing. So they go to unlock their car door. Okay. And then they look up at the child and they're they're noticing. So they make eye contact with the child. Yeah, they're noticing like, hey, I'm going to unlock this. They make eye contact with the child. Notice the child's eyes are completely black. And then they're able to stop doing what they were doing. Oh, that's good. That's good. Just staring deeply into the, the, the black abyss abyss of the child's eyes will, you know, break you out of your spell. So that's good. Yeah. Others say that making eye contact with them can be the downfall, however. Okay. There are said to be no reports on what happens if you allow the children into your home or in close proximity to you. Though I did find two experiences that talked kind of about uh, them being in close proximity of someone. Ooh. Um, because it said that there's so no stories no because when they're in close proximity of you. No one lives? Yes. Okay. Scary. So... It seems that the legends originated in 1996 as a post written by a Texas reporter named Brian Bethel. He wrote about two encounters with black-eyed children. In one of the stories, he said that he encountered two children in Albion, Abilene, Texas. Abilene looks more right. I think, and I've heard of Abilene before. I think Abilene's more right. right. So he encountered these two children in Abilene, Texas with pale skin and black eyes. So it said... My notes in a couple sources, it said that he had two encounters, but I only found one encounter. So I don't know if it's just saying, like, he encountered two children okay. in this one encounter. Yeah. Is that seems more like what it is. Okay. So he told this story. Uh, he also told the story on the TV show Monsters and Mysteries in America in the episode Badlands in season one, which uh, I actually saw that. And this is how I found out about Black Eyed Children. Oh, really? Like, back in, like... 2013 when it came out oh okay Um, i was like just recently (laughs) i did rewatch the episode and transcribe what happened to him for my notes for you perfect i watched it today it was really (laughs) spooky um (laughs) but many people think that his stories are just like creepy pasta lore Mm -hmm. but he is very adamant that this story actually happened to him yeah well then yeah so this is my transcription of watching the episode and having the narrator and him, he tells his own story, tell the story. So this is kind of what happened. Okay. So Brian was covering city council meetings in the spring of 1996. One evening, he remembered that he had an unpaid bill he needed to take care of that was across town. He Oh, went- yeah, before you couldn't just pay your shit online. Yeah, it's 96. <laughs> <laughs> the parking lot where he needed to go was very isolated and eerie. There was no other people in the parking lot. And there's a movie theater nearby, and he couldn't see any people there either. So it was like a ghost town. Yeah, it was like really, like almost abandoned. Like it felt like a ghost town. Like was he eerie. there too late at night? Were they already closed? Maybe. Maybe. Um, Is there stories in this about like time distortion? I haven't seen any, but there could. I mean, that would make sense. Okay. I only did a couple stories. I found a whole source of like a bunch of stories that I could find pull from. Okay. So, but I just picked a few. Okay, perfect. He felt really uneasy and he was unsure why. He just wanted to like get his bill paid and go home. It was like that kind of feeling of like, I don't want to be here. So let's just get out of here. Like, yeah. just do what I need to go do yeah. and go. Yeah, you feel, you feel your dread, your doom. Yeah. So while he was like writing his check, so he's in his car looking down, writing his check out, there was a sharp knock on his car door and it startled him, so he looked up and he saw two boys outside of his car. They appeared to be around 9 and 14. Okay. They were both wearing pullover hoodies with the hoods, oh, like, pulled up. They look like thugs. 
sucks. Um, <laughs> he rolled down the window and he said, can I help you? The older of the pair did the talking and the older boy said, hey, mister, we left our money at home and we want to see the movie. Can you Absolutely drive us to not. our mother's house? Get the fuck away from me, child. There's like so many things in that sentence that seems so off, right? Yeah. The hey, mister. Yeah. Hey, mister. What is this? The 1920s? We left our money at home and wanted to see our mu- We wanted to see the movie. Just the movie. The picture. <laughs> the moving picture. See? <laughs> Can you drive us to our mother's ho- house? Not even like, can you drive us back to our house? Mm-hmm. Can you? Dr- yeah, it's it's very broken speech in yeah, a way. It's it's weird, right? Yeah. So he said that the di- dictation seemed like too smooth to be coming from a child. Like a child would have been way more casual, and he was like very like formal and yeah. smooth. It's sort of like those kids were speaking in the sense of they spoke English so clearly. But they got the words from Google Translate from a different language. There you go. Perfect. That's how all aliens learn English. Google, Google Translate. Translate. <laughs> hey, that's how I look at a lot of... Uh, I work with a lot of international groups uh, <laughs> in my work, and I throw a lot of fucking things in the Google Translate. I mean, you have to sometimes. Yeah. So after um the child spoke in this like really smooth voice he started feeling an immediate like primal fear with his smooth jazz voice <laughs> yeah he's like hey ladies uh, that was not very smooth <laughs> hey ladies let me tell you about it's five o'clock and it's five o'clock are your somewhere. parents home i don't know how to be a smooth jazz operator <laughs> um <laughs> I know all those words were wrong, too, but we're just going to keep moving. Hey, mister. Maybe I'm Black Eyed Child. <laughs> Have you ever seen my Eyes podcast world? So, <laughs> All of the photos posted on the internet, we edit her eyes. Yeah, to be they're normal. all edited. We actually just take Steven's eyes out of all his pictures and put them on my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's those eyes right there. <laughs> so he said that he just wanted to get away from them. And then the child started talking again the older child okay he's the only one who talks in this okay and he started reassuring brian or like he tried to reassure him and it seemed like he knew that he was scared so brian said the older Sorry, child mister i know you seem to be scared right now but you know just a couple bucks and we'll be on our way it's a little worse he says oh no <laughs> come on mister we don't have a gun what what <laughs> yeah well, sir, this is Texas. I do, okay? <laughs> so, like, that's how, that's the example of it being, like, threatening the yeah. second time, right? Yeah. So, Brian said it made him feel like the children were saying that they didn't have a gun as if, like, they didn't need a gun and he was about to die. Huh. Like, that's how it felt. Okay. He then realized that his hand was reaching for the door to unlock it against his will. Mm-hmm. He said that when he noticed that he was doing it, and he didn't unlock the door. The older child started getting angry. Oh. And. So in smooth jazz voice away. He said that he needed to get in the car and he couldn't come in unless it was okay. Like unless Brian said it was okay. So they need to be invited in they like vampires. In. At this point. So when- you mean I can open. I can open the door to a black eyed kid at my house. Mm-hmm. But if I don't invite them in, they can't come in. Yes, they have. To, well, that's what it seems like. They need to be invited in. Okay. So at this point, when he looked up at the children, 
He noticed that they both had soulless black eyes, no white, just pure black. And at that point, he was so fearful, he seemed to break out of his trance and he was able to drive away. When he looked in the rearview mirror, the kids were gone. And he said he doesn't remember the drive home, but he was absolutely terrified. And he never cashed, he never paid those bills. Never paid his bills. And he goes, I'm never going back to that. ruined. I'm never going back to that parking lot ever again. I would never go back there. I'd be like, mom, can you go pay this bill for me? Yeah. (laughs) If you see two children, just don't fucking talk to them. There's a similar story that comes from Deborah Keown is how I think you pronounce her name. I could be wrong. She said she saw two children walking up a hill. She pulled over and asked if they were all right. She said that they started demanding that she let them in the car. She said no, but she'll call their mom for them. And they persisted. They're like, you have to let me in your car. She said that then she noticed that they were super pale with black eyes, became terrified and started saying the St. Michael prayer and oh. got out of there. I don't know that prayer. <laughs> it's, I, um, she said it in the episode because that was okay. in the same episode. And it was like. Stephen, do your Googling. But it was basically like, protect me from evil oh, uh, type of prayer. Far, our Father, full of grace, that's, the Lord is with I don't me. think that's it. St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And, to, and, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts. By the power of God, thrust into hell, Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. So I don't, I don't know if that has like a kind of a rhythm to it, like the probably probably it's Catholic, right? Yeah. Right. But yeah, so she said that prayer. She was able to get away. Another story I found, and I can't tell if this was written by someone, like as their account, or if it was told to someone and they wrote it or if someone rewrote this story into like a more like pretty way. Okay. So I'm just going to read it how it was written on this website, tbsnews.net. Okay. So in the snowy town within the middle of nowhere in Vermont, an elderly couple heard the sound of three loud knocks on their door. They opened the door and saw two children, a boy and a girl. Ooh, ambient. The children said, Our parents will be here soon. May we come in? So you've already called your parents? I guess so. Mm. You said it's winter, though? Yes. The children did not make eye contact. They just stood there in the doorway. The elderly couple were hesitant, but after a while, they let the boy and girl inside. So this is like the one one of the encounters where they've invited them in. Like, if it's like a blizzard, then maybe, you know. But like, there were like people in like that that snowstorm in buffalo where this guy he this guy broke into a fucking school and he was going around houses because the snow was getting so deep his car wouldn't go through and he went to 10 houses and no one let him in so he broke into a school jeez i didn't know that so people don't trust people but if it's children right it depends on when it was and how old they were and yeah yeah So the kids settled down to the couch while the wife made some hot chocolate and the husband asked them questions that went unanswered the wife returned and noticed that her cat was scared and angry with the children. They gen- then asked if they could use the restroom. The oh, wife looked at the freshen up. The wife looked at the kids and she finally noticed that the children had black eyes as black as the starless universe. She directed them to the bathroom and returned to her husband who was covering his face with his hands. Did you see their eyes? The husband then showed her his handful of blood from a nosebleed. Oh. 
The power suddenly went out and the house turned as black as the kids' eyes. Oh, no. The wife no. headed to the restroom and was confronted by a voice of the kids at the end of the hall uttering, mm-hmm. Our parents are here. The kids then exited the house, leaving the doors wide open. The wife then noticed that there were two men at the end of the driveway. The men were very tall and slender. Slender man? (laughs) We're just mixing all the stories. The wife waved but did not receive the same friendly gesture. The two men and the children got in the car and drove away together. Wait. So the men in black came and picked up the children. That's what it seems like to me. Okay. But... You're terrified. Your husband has a nosebleed. These children, like, the power goes out. You've seen the kids' eyes, and you still wave to the men in black goodbye? Yeah, you're polite. You're from the, you're from Vermont. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> oh, they're just a nice, lovely ghost gay couple. <laughs> <laughs> the power came back on a little while after the kids left. Throughout the next week, weird things happened in the house. Three out of the four cats went missing, and the fourth (gasps) one was found dead in a pool of its own blood. No, not the cats. The husband continued to have nosebleeds and finally went to the doctor, where he was diagnosed with very aggressive skin cancer. Your nose can... Well, it's cancer. You get a visit from the black-eyed children, and then your life is now filled with misfortune? Uh, Seems like it. I have, I think, two more stories for you. Okay, so... In a world where we don't like to make eye contact anymore, make eye con- contact forever and Constantly always. Constantly make a- eye contact. Anytime you open the door, anytime someone knocks on your window, look them dead in the eyes first thing. As Bo Burnham would say. <laughs> Have you seen the, uh, I don't remember what special that is, but he's like, eye contact. Prolonged eye contact. Prolonged. Yeah. We already talked about how much we love Bo Burnham. Yeah. You missed it. I love Bo Burnham, too. Yeah, we know, but you weren't here. Okay, so this is another story that I found. I'm going to read it as written from Reddit user Big Taco 123 Ah, nice taco you got there, Big Taco. <laughs> On March 17th, 2008, I had my one and only encounter with the Black Eyed Kids. Never, or before my experience, I had never heard anything to do with the Black Eyed Kids. I was 12. I was sitting outside the hairdressers in an old Chevy pickup waiting for my mom to get her hair cut. About 15 minutes had passed, and I saw some... Some kid walking back and forth along the sidewalk in front of my parked car. At first, I thought I recognized him as one of my friends from school, so I banged on the front windshield until he looked my way. It was not anyone I knew. At this point, I was not scared at all. Not yet. The boy walked over to my side of the car and just stares. I think to let me get a good look at his eyes. To freak me out. Let me tell you, if you have never seen a black-eyed kid, you have no idea what to imagine. Pupils, black as the night sky. The boy whispered, you must let me in. And I locked the car doors and ducked down in the space between the seats. Five minutes later, he was gone. When my mother got into the car, she told me that a boy with black eyes had come into the hairdressers and insisted for my mother to give him the keys to the car. She refused. Thank God she did. So see, see what I just said is correct. She saw the eyes first. She made eye contact with the the child first. Right? And so it's only fear at that point in time and only control of your own body. So eye contact, prolonged eye contact. Prolonged eye contact. Prolonged eye contact. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is uh, the last story I have for you. And this is another instance of them entering a home. Okay. Uh, This story comes from Reddit user Pyrick Lancaster. Okay. They said, I helped them once, never ever under any circumstances do it. 
I'm not sure what they do, but it feels as if they're ripping your soul out. They get close to you and you get amazingly drowsy. If it weren't for my girlfriend showing up mid-invasion and kicking them out, I would probably be dead. I didn't even see that their eyes were black until I had let them in. They're getting smarter. Oh, scary. So there's a thought catalog article with like 16 sightings about black-eyed children, which is where I found a lot of my articles and like I could literally find so many more. They were long too. Yeah. Um so I like I said earlier, I remember first hearing about this on that Monsters and Mystery show, which the episode is pretty interesting. It's a it's an interesting show. Theories about the black-eyed children range. Some think that they may be ghosts, others say they're vampires or some sort of demon. Um they think mm-hmm. about the vampires since they can't enter your space. Yeah. Demon vampires. Maybe they're demon vampires. The two I think are the most interesting are aliens or fairies. Okay. So some think that the they're aliens because their weird dialect, their clothing not maybe looking proper, their too proper speech, or um, in some instances it seems like they're trying to call home. Call ET phone home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Or they're trying to, like, camouflage with humans, which is another example of why they could be fairies, is they're camouflaging with humans. And people think that this could go back to being a modern way of how fairies are um, are now doing human abductions. Oh, neat. Um, so similar to what has been written for thousands of years about fairy abductions, there's, like, some similarities between these instances and this so some people believe this is what could happen but that is the legend did you do you have more information on like the og fairy abductions i don't but then i thought i could kind of go into that as maybe another episode someday okay yeah i like that i actually want to hear more stories (laughs) um i can make i could get up more stories and we could do them for patreon yeah, we can do them for Patreon, or we can do a part two, part two. Part two, part two, where you do more part twos and I do more part twos. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> um, but that is this legend of the black-eyed children. Don't I mean, do look into their eyes. Prolonged eye contact. Prolonged eye contact. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That's Steven, what did you think? That was nice. Oh, oh that was- a lot. Welcome oh. to your first official recording, Stephen, episode 50. Episode 50. I don't know all the Confetti. link tree info now. I guess we're done. Uh, so <laughs> if, you, if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Our Patreon is open, and you can find uh, all of that on our link tree at uh the no not the at mfcast where you can find all of our social media all of our listening places and our patreon and more to come in the future and if you find somewhere that we're not at on for podcasts let us know we're working on it i or think we will we're work pretty much everywhere according to our Podbean. but but if you find one if you find one let us know we'll be there we're square <laughs> We'd like to give a special thanks to Jenna, who did our artwork, and Cameron, who did our music. And Steven. And Steven. For his first official episode. And you, the listener, thank you for being here and supporting us. Episode 50. It's episode 50, season three, episode two. Yeah. Season three, episode two. And don't tempt fate with prolonged eye contact. Prolonged eye contact. Episode 50! <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>